welcome back to the Adventist City Ministries podcast. I'm Andrew. And I'm Jeff. And I'm Bob. Hey, did you guys have a nice Christmas, a nice holiday? Oh, beautiful. I had all the children and grandchildren were here, so I'm a little tired, but it was wonderful. Yeah, I had a great time. Yeah, my kids couldn't come in this year, but next year. All right, me too. Really had a nice time with the family. Yeah, I'm really excited because on our numbers, I was just looking at the numbers and we hit a thousand downloads. Oh, praise the Lord. Back in uh, early December. So that's looking really good and um, really excited to uh, see where it goes. Today, we're going to get back into Daniel chapter four after we've been on this kind of saga of Nebuchadnezzar. We're going to end up in, I think, a resolution today with what he has gone through. So, Bob, would you start with a word of prayer for us, please? Certainly. Father, we pray now that your spirit will enlighten our minds as we open your word um, and that people will be blessed by the the things that we discuss here today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right. Well, hey, let's dive into the text here. I'm going to start by reading the first three verses and then we'll talk about it and and we'll do that going on instead of reading the whole thing at once. We'll, We'll break it up into chunks so it's a little bit easier to listen to. So Daniel chapter four in the new King James version, Nebuchadnezzar, the king to all peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. I thought it good to declare the signs and wonders that the most high God has worked for me. How great are his signs and how mighty are his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and his dominion is from generation to generation. All right. This is quite a change in the Nebuchadnezzar that we've come to know so far. He's, he's talking a little bit different here. Yeah, he? he's not burning anybody's house down or, or, or threatening to, uh, you know, kill all their family. Or, uh, cut them into pieces. Cut them into yeah, pieces, right. their heads. <laughs> this, is, this, is a, this is a guy. Obviously, uh, the event that we're going to be looking at today, this is written post that, after, after it happened. Uh, so um, it, we're looking, we're going to be seeing, I guess, a life-changing event uh, in the life of Nebuchadnezzar here. Yeah, I, I like what he said in the in the second verse there about, you know, I thought it good to declare because, you know, he's making this announcement to the to the whole world. It's like he got on CNN and said, you know, OK, I know I know you guys know the story, but now I got to tell you the rest of the details. And so uh, if that was that was his sphere of influence was the whole world. Absolutely. And so it this is kind of an amazing thing if you contemporize it. You know, he's basically getting on TV and saying, okay, listen, everybody, I've been, had this uh, affliction the last seven years, but now I want to tell you something. That's pretty amazing. And I think that the word even there is kind of interesting because previously he said, I decree. Now he says, well, I'd like to declare, I'd like to just tell you something. Yeah. And it's not about himself. No. That's a new thing too. He's about to tell you about the wonders that the most high God has worked for me. That's a a new Nebuchadnezzar speaking, but he's really mellowed out compared to the previous chapters. Yeah. Yeah. So he's, re- he's really gone through an experience. Yeah. But, if, if you think about it before he like, you know, if you, if you thought of Nebuchadnezzar before he, he, he kind of reminded me of, of uh, Muhammad Ali who would go around and say, I am the greatest, <laughs> you know? And he had those thoughts about himself. He thought, you know, he, Ali was, that was a lot of that was just, part of his shtick, so to speak. But Nebuchadnezzar actually thought that about himself, you know, and, and everything that he did. 
So uh, this is new territory for him. Yes, and it's, it, it's clear that he's converted man here yeah. and a man filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, you know, that the, the, the New Testament tells us that all Scripture was in, is inspired by the Holy Spirit. And here, actually, Nebuchadnezzar is writing a passage of, of, the, of the Holy Bible. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> that's crazy that he, something miraculous has happened. Andrew, why don't you continue reading and we can get into the actual story because he turns it around and he begins to tell us what would actually happen to him. All right, I'm going to read four through nine. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at rest in my house and flourishing in my palace. I saw a dream which made me afraid and the thoughts on my bed and the visions of my head troubled me. Therefore, I issued a decree to bring all the wise men of Babylon before me that they might make known to me the interpretation of the dream. Then the magicians, the astrologers, the Chaldeans, and the soothsayers came in, and I told them the dream, but they did not make known to me the interpretation. But at last Daniel came before me, his name is Belteshazzar, according to the name of my God. In him is the spirit of the holy God. And I told the dream before him, saying, Belteshazzar, chief of the magicians, because I know that the spirit of the holy God is in you, and no secret troubles you, explain to me the vision of my dream that I have seen and its interpretation. Well, this is this is kind of a cool passage as well because again you see some interesting things. Um, one thing that I, I I really like is the fact that remember when we studied chapter one, the first thing that Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon did to Daniel and his three three friends was to change their names. And now here in this chapter, Nebuchadnezzar actually is referring to Daniel by his Hebrew name. It's a, and he references back to the fact that oh, this is like this is the guy I named Belteshazzar, but he 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 obviously now refers to Daniel by his Hebrew name, right? So he's respecting what who Daniel is and his identity in God. Yeah, and Daniel's God. Obviously, the reason they gave him a, a name after his God is because he at that time he thought his God was superior, and and now he he's recognized that well, this this God that Daniel worships, this God who he's been converted by through this experience is, is the God of gods. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'd like to just look at verse four a little bit and, and dig into it too, because it speaks to us of uh, his, his mindset before it all happens. It says, you know, that he was at rest in his house and that he was, he was flourishing in his palace. And so those kind of words kind of give you the idea yeah. that he's a, you know, he's a person who is, you know, the borders are secure. The, uh, I'm making lots of money. The kingdoms, you know, the economy's robust. It's all these things. And, uh, you know, it, it all has to do with me. Right. Well, it's, and it sounds a lot like the conditions that precipitated chapter two's dream. You yeah. know, he was on his bed there too, wondering, well, is this, you know, is this all there is to life? And, and here he is, he's, he's in his bed and he's got, you know, everything has gone great. Right. And then a dream happens again. And then a dream happens again, yeah. right. And he's uncomfortable all of a sudden. Because in one verse, he's at rest, and he's feeling fl- flourished. And then all of a sudden, I saw a dream which made me afraid. That's interesting, because he could afford anything. Well, you know, he, he had the, uh, what's the, the, the bed that you can adjust that's real expensive. Right. Like, I mean, so he's basically saying, hey, come in, you know, check out my crib. This yeah. is like the MTV Cribs of the Bible. You know, hey, come check out all my cool stuff. Look at everything that I've got. You know, and that's what he says. You know, look at Babylon, which I have built. He's saying everything is cool, but. But he has the best of everything and he can't sleep at night. 
I wonder, you know, if that's not true of other people who we sort of make icons in our culture, you know what I mean? They, it, from, the, from a distance, they're successful, they're, you know, making millions of dollars, they have big houses, they look like they're, everything about their life is perfect. But what I wonder if, you know, the, the reality is, is, this, is they have difficulty sleeping at night because there's something missing in their lives. And I think it's true. I think it's true for not, not every one of them, but it's true for many people. Yeah, I, mean, I think uh, I think back to uh, just a few months ago, we heard about Kanye West. He he embraced Jesus wholeheartedly and creating music. And you know, we we're, we'll see where all of that kind of lands because it's you know he's still very much uh, his larger than life persona and attitude. But God is still working in people's lives, and and we'll see what He does there. Something had to happen in the midst of His a career or his success, he took a moment and he realized there's trouble, you know, and that's, that's what Nebuchadnezzar's, you know, as he, this dream comes to him, he's realizing, Oh, Oh, there, there's a problem. Well, I think it's like kind of deja vu for him, you know, right. <laughs> it's like, uh, deja vu I feel again. like I've been here before, <laughs> yeah, you know, like you know, this, uh, deja vu all over again. <laughs> and, uh, he's, uh, having a dream. It's troubling to him because, Partly because he knows how the last stream all worked out. Um, you know, it wasn't it was a message that hey, you're gonna you're gonna be here for a little while, but th- this doesn't last forever. Babylon doesn't last forever. So, you know, he 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 goes to the same guys for for an answer. He calls in the magician, uh, the magicians, and the Chaldeans and the soothsayers to come in. And this time, he actually tells them the dream. Yeah, he's not quite as suspicious of them this time, <laughs> or maybe he's more desperate. Well, I think I think also if it says that that Daniel was the chief of the uh, these these guys, so um, he he they knew that they couldn't pull anything over on him either. Yeah, so it seems like he was more willing to express what he was going through. This what well, this is the third time around. He's feeling the the freedom of knowing that okay. This happened before, and God is still watching out. So I better just tell him. <laughs> I, I always wondered though why he just didn't call Daniel in to begin with. You know why? Uh, <laughs> why he just why he just started with uh, uh, you know the the same fellows that kind of had let him down before, and and then just like hey, just call Daniel. I Probably policy. <laughs> yeah, policy. You know, I, I've I've suffered from this in my life. It's some, sometimes you when you're surrounded by success, you know, you think it points to God's favor in your life. And it's, that's not necessarily so he might, you know, it's definitely not necessarily so here in this story. He, he, he's probably looking at everything he has and saying, well, this is the gods, you know, that are making me successful. And then this dream happens and he kind of goes through the whole process of again, of calling what, what resources that he thinks he has. I think the other thing that, that, you know, possibly comes into play here is that, you know, so, sometimes people have an inkling of what the truth already is. And, uh, you know, Nebuchadnezzar had already been told that, look, your kingdom doesn't last forever. Now he has this dream about a tree that gets chopped down. Maybe the reason he didn't go to Daniel to begin with is because he, he didn't he want was, to hear it. He, wanted, he didn't want to hear it. He, want, he wanted to have a, you know, give somebody else a shot. Maybe they'll tell me something good here. Not quite like a golden head of an image. No. You know, a little bit different here. Well, let's get into the next part. Uh, verse 10. These were the visions of my head while on my bed. I was looking and behold, a tree in the midst of the earth, and its height was great. The tree grew and became strong, 
Its height reached to the heavens, and it could be seen to the ends of all the earth. Its leaves were lovely, its fruit abundant, and it was for, and in it was food for all. The beasts of the field found shade under it, the birds of the heavens dwelt in its branches, and all flesh was fed from it. I saw in the vision of my head while on my bed, and there was a watcher, a holy one coming down from heaven. He cried aloud and said thus, Chop down the tree and cut off its branches, strip off its leaves and scatter its fruit. Let the beasts get out from under it and the birds from its branches. Nevertheless, leave the stump and roots in the earth, bound with a band of iron and bronze. In the tender grass of the field, let it be wet with the dew of heaven, and let him graze with the beasts of the grass of the earth. Let his heart be changed from that of a man. Let him be given the heart of a beast, and let seven times pass over him. This decision is by the decree of the watchers, and the sentence by the word of the holy ones, in order that the living may know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men, gives it to whomever he will, and sets over it the lowest of men. This dream I, King Nebuchadnezzar, have seen. Now you, Belteshazzar, declare its interpretation, since all the wise men of my kingdom are not able to make known to me its interpretation. But you are able, for the spirit of the holy God is in you. This is an interesting presentation, and, and, and just what he says to Daniel, he recognizes that the spirit of the Holy God is in Daniel. So like Bob, like you said before, I don't know why he just didn't go to that source to begin with. There might've been a sense of dread. I, th- you know? I, I think too. I, I mean, that's of course we're speculating, but I think Nebuchadnezzar is not, is not a stupid man. Right. And he already has been given some information and you know, this kind of looks all, a lot like something bad is happening to something pretty big. Yeah, I, I, I agree. There's also something that's introduced here that um, I think is critical to the whole passage. In fact, it, it, might be, uh, it might be the most important repeated phrase in, in the passage. And that's in verse 17. It's as he comes to a recognition um, that, that he says that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men and gives it to whomever he will and sets it over the lowest of men. This is sort of repeated again in verse uh, 25 and then in verse 32 as well. And so... Uh, that kind of makes it important because he inserts it three times into his yeah. story and testimony. And basically, I mean, break that down. What, what is he saying in saying that? Well, yeah, the, the issue of God's sovereignty, it's a sovereignty. God, God being sovereign in the, in the world is, 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 it's not the first time it's come up here. You know, remember in, in chapter three, yeah, he, he yeah. had, he struggled with that. You know, who is, who is it that's going to protect you from me? Right. And, uh, uh, when he was throwing those three, three, three fellows into the fiery furnace. So, so God has demonstrate, demonstrated his, his omnipotence, his omniscience, that he, he knows all, he's all powerful, and that, he, that he's sovereign in this world. But Nebuchadnezzar is still, still wrestling with that. And I think that's, you know, it, it would be great if, if we could let God be sovereign in our lives, you know, just to let him be in control, but we always struggle. I shouldn't say we maybe make it personally. I, you know, I always struggle with wanting to take things back, you know, and be in control of this or that instead of let, letting God be the sovereign. Yeah. This is the story of Nebuchadnezzar's surrender to the overwhelming love of God, all, all consuming, you know, all the, all these things that God is him finally coming to the realization. Oh, this is how it really is. Um, I don't have the power here, but it's really God who gave me that power. 
Yeah. How do, how do we relate to this though, in terms of what he's act, the, the, the literal nature of what he's saying, where he, when he says, you know, God is sovereign in the kingdoms of, of man and he gives it to whoever he chooses. How do we relate to that today? Because some people would say, well, you know, as long as it's not a Democrat or it's not as long as it's not a Republican, then that might be true. But how do we relate to that as a Christian in our Christian experience? How is that truth to us? Is he still doing that and giving it to whoever he chooses? Right. Yeah, of course. God's still sovereign um, in the world. Um, but often, you know, you know, we can look at situations in history and we go like, well, if God's sovereign, then how could a, you know, and he gives it to whomever he, he chooses. How, why would somebody like you know, Stalin or Mao or Hitler come to power? How, is, how, how does that work? That's a question I'm asking is how it relates to this. He says it three times through here. So, well, so. I mean, we're, we're thinking about a, a couple of different factors because God has to, we know that God is sovereign and yet we have our free will to do as we please to a, a limited degree. And so like you mentioned dictators and, and their ability to use force against people. And uh, so from that angle, you know, God has this delicate balancing act of, uh, of saying, okay, well I have to let these people do what they want but then I need to make more time so that people can hear about the good news and how I'm actually nothing like they have often portrayed me as. And so he's in the, in the modern political scene, then it's, yeah, God does as he wills through those people. And he has to still allow those things to happen, but really it's, we're, we're considering, okay, well, who's, who's going to give us when we vote, you know, who's going to give us the most time to spread the gospel, who's going to give us the most opportunity and uh, most freedom to do that or the most ability, I should say. Yeah. I only asked the question because you're right. There, uh, we have free will, but there's also like the notion of a corporate or a group free will that takes place in, in the world. And people decide sometimes who is going to be their ruler or their, their elector, so to, so to, or elected, so, so to speak. And so, um, this notion of, uh, of God, he doesn't interfere with our free will to choose right and wrong. He doesn't do that corporately sometimes as well. That's the only way I can understand it. Well, yeah, I think that, that God certainly would, would have us choose certain ways, but if we, if, if we don't, right. he, he lets, he lets us have our way. Yeah. Um, and that can happen from a group dynamic as well. Absolutely. Not to belabor the point. I just, you know, it's there three times. Yeah, I mean, we, we kind of had to talk about it a little bit. The other dynamic we want to actually kind of maybe take a, into consideration here. And I think it's actually a comforting one is that his, is that he says, I, he saw the watchers and that speaks to something that, um, that is true about God, that, that nothing happens in this world that he hasn't, that he doesn't see that, that he's, he's intimately involved and, and concerned and with, with the affairs of men. Jesus said, you know, I saw, I, he sees the sparrow fall, you know, he see, counts the hairs on your head. So, so, so there are, there are a lot of people that, that 
you know, think God just wound it up and let it go and that right. he really doesn't care. The deist mindset. Yeah. And, and, or that God is, isn't paying attention to things, but he sees everything. So he sees, he sees, he sees the, the details of my life sometimes better than I do. And, and that's a comforting thought for me. It's also terrifying. <laughs> right. Cause we're kind of hanging on by the skin of our teeth sometimes just just on the edge of losing control and, and we're in that little, little gray space where it's okay. I'm hanging on to you, God, and you know where this is going, but I, it feels like I don't have the control and <laughs> hanging on by the seat of my pants. Well, I think both of us have been through experiences like <laughs> that in our, you know, in our own lives where we've, we've had to go through things that were difficult and they're beyond our control. We couldn't do anything about, you know, the, the situation. And yet you just, all you can do is hang on to God and, and let me come through the other side. Right. Yeah. I remember uh, when I went through chemotherapy, uh, the one time they had given me a steroid and because I had an allergic reaction to uh, the chemo drug and the steroid was so strong and overpowering that I didn't sleep for like a couple days and I was going crazy. Like, coming in and out of like consciousness. I wasn't sure if I was awake or asleep at one time, but when I got out of that, it's like, Oh my goodness, I hope I never have to go through that again. Right. And it was just a, a relief to come out on the other side. To, right. <laughs> to and then, to and when you're going through that, um, you know, and I, and I can relate to, to those, to that story. Cause I, I too have experienced that is that, that all, all you can do is hold on to God. And if you didn't know that that was a God, that there was a God who, who has his watchers, you know, and that's, that's concerned. That's intimately, it, 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 it would, it would be a lot more difficult. All right. So let's get into how Daniel interprets the dream. Uh, so verse 19, then Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar was astonished for a time and his thoughts troubled him. So the King spoke and said, Belteshazzar, do not let the dream or its interpretation trouble you. Belteshazzar answered and said, my Lord, may the dream concern those who hate you and its interpretation concern your enemies. The tree that you saw, which grew and became strong, whose height reached the heavens and which could be seen by all the earth, whose leaves were lovely and its fruit abundant, and which was food for all, under which the beast of the field dwelt, and in whose branches the birds of heaven had their home. It is you, O king, who have grown and become strong, for your greatness has grown and reached to the heavens, and your dominion to the end of the earth. And inasmuch as the king saw a watcher, a holy one, coming down from heaven, saying, Chop down the tree and destroy it, but leave its stump and roots in the earth, bound with a band of iron and bronze in the tender grass of the field. Let it be wet with the dew of heaven, and let him graze with the beasts of the field till seven times pass over him. This is the interpretation, O king, and this is the decree of the Most High, which has come upon my lord the king. They shall drive you from men, your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, and they shall make you eat grass like oxen. They shall wet you with the dew of heaven, and seven times shall pass over you. So you know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men and gives it to whomever he chooses. And inasmuch as they gave the command to leave the stump and the roots of the tree, your kingdom shall be assured to you after you come to know that heaven rules. Therefore, O king, let my advice be acceptable to you. Break off your sins by being righteous and your iniquities by showing mercy to the poor. Perhaps there may be a lengthening of your prosperity. So we have to kind of probably talk a little bit about the symbolism here because it's a symbolic dream. Clearly um, Nebuchadnezzar knows that. And um, it's not the first time in the Bible and other places in the Bible trees are, are used to represent leadership 
our leaders are kings. So, so we see this dynamic of, of, of a leader, but in the context of that God is sovereign. So, so Nebuchadnezzar has flourished because God has allowed it in his flourishing or in, in, in this, in, in the, in the blessings that God has bestowed upon him. He has, he has, uh, uh, the responsibility for taking care of the kingdom over which he has he has been or the people which he has been um, given rulership over. That's kind of the first part of 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 the dream there, where you know the, the, you see all of these things that be, are dependent upon the uh, the tree for their existence. So it sounds like he's really taken for granted his position of authority and his, his, the responsibility that he's supposed to have. Right. Well, what we can do is we can see that that that's that's what's supposed to happen. But if we if we go back and remind ourselves how Nebuchadnezzar treated people under his authority, it wasn't in this always in this benevolent way as portrayed by the the uh, the, the first part of the dream. Nebuchadnezzar. As we saw, you know, even when he became aware of certain truths about God, would go like, "Okay, anybody that doesn't worship this, this God now, I'll, you know, we're gonna burn their house down and do all those things that that he." Uh, so he he didn't have this this concept of of what it was like to be a a leader that was that had God as his sovereign and 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 treated people in the way that. Treated others, specifically those under his his rulership, in the way God would treat them. Yeah, the re- the recovery statement is after you come to know that heaven rules, and so it seems like it's in terms of our, you know for every every man, it's impossible for us to know what our you know our life is or our role in life is until we understand that heaven rules. That's an impossibility. For us, and then this is where he's at. He's just kind of been, uh, you know, negligent of the fact that heaven, it, even though he's you know post trauma here, he says it three times. Heaven rules. You know, we see now that that's the real issue is that he doesn't. He thinks it's all been him, and now he's moving into, oh, it's really heaven that is in control of everything. I wish we could apply that to our lives a little bit more because we. I don't have Nebuchadnezzar's life, but I have my own fiefdom (laughs) and I'm always trying to control it and manage it and manipulate it. And I forget that sometimes that heaven rules. Right. Yeah. It's easy to do. So I can't, I can't stand here and say, right. This guy was, I think part of the story is that what heaven prefers is that what in, in whatever capacity that God gives us anything that we have any authority over be it even, like you said, even in your family, that his ex- he has expectations that we deal with those who, who are, are under our authority in the, in the same way he would. Right. That's, and that's, that's, that's an incredible lesson to learn. And, and, and obviously that's what Daniel's advice is. Yeah. That's, that's when, he, when he's advising him uh, with, with, with respect to, okay, here's my advice. Turn from your sins and treat people better. And maybe, you know, maybe God will prolong your, 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 your rulership for a little bit. So this goes, this goes to a, a real character issue in, in Nebuchadnezzar of, uh, with respect to, uh, you know, how we treat 
treat those uh, around us. And it's, it's something for us to, to, to think about that because yeah, you're right. We all of us have certain, certain thing, certain situations or, or relationships that, that we need to take into consideration how we, how we, how we act in those. Yeah, I think we all have a sphere of influence that we have to take seriously. Yeah. There, we can all become like Nebuchadnezzar when we trust in ourselves to the point that we think it's our own ability to do these things or to, to be obedient to God, to have faith in God. You know, even, we even make the gospel sometimes about our own ability to have faith because we, we think it's our own choice, our, our ability to conform to, to who God is and, and what he wants from us. And, and we think that's what saves us, but really it's just the surrender to God, not your ability to believe, but just simply being at peace with who God is and what he's done for you and letting that happen. Yeah, I, I, you know, this section that we're looking at right here, I think there's several things to break down. Just, you know, it, it, one of the things is that Daniel doesn't sugarcoat the message. You know, it, it, he tells it like it is. And sometimes, you know, whether it's a cultural thing that we do or even in, 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 in the church, sometimes we water stuff down because we don't want people to be angry. You know, but this, this is, Daniel's a man of God and he's allowing the Holy Spirit to speak. So this, there's, there is some, like, I, I can see Daniel's acting like this is really important. This is going to happen kind of attitude. And then, and then he goes into what I would call like in verse 27, he comes right out and it's telling Nebuchadnezzar, you need to change. Yeah. I think, I think that also speaks to the fact that Nebuchadnezzar was king in Babylon. I think it was for 42 years. So you know, chapter one, we're back to where it, 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 it's the beginning of his reign. I think the other thing that we can draw out of the story here is that Nebuchadnezzar and Daniel have become friends because he's, he, Daniel is distressed by, by this dream for Nebuchadnezzar's sake. He, he, he realizes that, and yeah, he doesn't sugarcoat it. This is what God is saying. But he says, you know, I, oh, I wish it was for somebody else. Because I, I think that over the years, Daniel's influence has begun to mellow this guy and, and then, and they've developed a relationship. And, and uh, the other thing that, it, it, which is notable is that Daniel also understands that, that, that a lot of times God's judgments are conditional. Like, like Nineveh and, and Jonah, you know, like, okay, if you'll just stop, repent of these, these things that you're doing, maybe God will, will, uh, will extend your, your reign a little bit. Here. Yeah, I, I noticed that he uses the word perhaps, perhaps, or, you know, I don't know how it, what it looks like in the right. original language, but it's sort of the, the statement of, it's sort of a hopeful statement, you know, that Daniel's making there. Perhaps there may be a lengthening of your prosperity, but that's conditioned on repentance right. and change. And, you know, and, uh, and uh, it's interesting that Dan, that's the last statement of Daniel before, you know, the actuality begins. Narcissism can tend to make us short-sighted, I think, because we get so absorbed in ourselves and what we think we can accomplish that we, sometimes we don't see the consequences of our actions. And for Nebuchadnezzar to be so focused on himself and what he's done, and then Daniel comes along and says, hey, this is what's really going to happen if you're going to keep going down this road. And I'm here as somebody who cares about what's happening to the people around me. Daniel said that he cares about what goes on around him and the people that he has influence over. And it's almost like he's coming to him as a friend and saying, hey, I think things could turn out better for you. How does it all come together now, Andrew? Yeah, let's dive into verse 28. 
All this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of the 12 months, he was walking about the royal palace of Babylon. The king spoke, saying, Is not this great Babylon that I have built for a royal dwelling by my mighty power and for the honor of my majesty? While the word was still in the king's mouth, a voice fell from heaven. King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken. The kingdom has departed from you, and they shall drive you from men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. They shall make you eat grass like oxen, and seven times shall pass over you until you know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men and gives it to whomever he chooses. That very hour, the word was fulfilled concerning Nebuchadnezzar. He was driven from men and ate grass like oxen. His body was wet with the dew of heaven till his hair had grown like eagle's feathers and his nails like bird's claws. So, wow. You know, uh, with all that warning, with all the... uh maybe even premonition that he, that he had himself, somehow human pride always raises its, its nasty head. And it's a pretty, pretty astonishing statement. And he's got this, I, me, my statement going right. on in the beginning of all this, that kind of seals the deal. You know, he's really all about himself. Right. Well, and it's, and it's a rhetoric. He asked it, he asked it in the form of question, which obviously yeah. is, is meant to be rhetorical. Is this not, but and, and in his mind, the answer to that question is yes. Yeah. <laughs> he's talking, but, he's but, talking but to the God, walls. But, yeah. <laughs> but God has been trying to tell him no. for however long. No, right. it's not. I mean, not only have it's, it's not only have, I contributed to that as, as the God sovereign of the universe, but the people that you abused have contributed to that as well. So, so he didn't pick up on all these warnings until God actually takes away the very thing that Nebuchadnezzar's mistreatment of others did. Nebuchadnezzar, because he was sovereign, he compelled people to do according to his will, took away their ability to choose. And now God has brought upon him a mental illness in which he's lost his ability to choose. There's, there's, there's a beautiful, there's a, there's a beautiful justice, I guess, in that, that you could say that, that, that what God actually wants Nebuchadnezzar to experience is the inability to make a, a choice and to be compelled by that, which you don't want to be compelled by. Right. You can just imagine him kind of roaming around the countryside outside of the city walls and everybody can pass by and see, Oh, that's, that used to be the King of Babylon. You know, I remember how he used to treat people, and, and now look at him. Yeah, I, I, I take an, a, an additional thing away from this, and, and as I try to, try to think about it in terms of life today, and I just wonder how long like God allows people to hear the word over and over and over again, and they don't make a decision with regards to his word to them. I, you see, he, he gives Nebuchadnezzar here 12 months to to change his ways. And I wonder if there's like little stories of that in people's lives today. I think there is, is this, is, you know, whether it's double mindedness that occurs or whatever it might be, but we can't just keep listening to the word without allowing the word to become part of who we are. That's part of. Part well, I mean, one way to look at this from, you know, I, I suppose just from a standpoint, if we're looking at it from now, what, what a terrible thing that happened to Nebuchadnezzar. But it was actually a redemptive act on God's part. Yeah, it's very it's a personal redemption. Because because he he finally takes Nebuchadnezzar to the point where he okay, it, he broke through. 
And Nebuchadnezzar understands now. I understand. Okay, I understand the truth about you, God. I understand the reason that that you have put these things in my hand, and and that's why, as we looked at the beginning of of the chapter, he's a changed man, a changed person. Um, and so sometimes things that look like just terrible, awful experiences in the lives of people can actually bring bring about redemptive activity in their lives. And we should, we should pray about that. We should pray for ourselves and for other pe- people in our lives that uh, we should just ask God to do whatever it takes. Yeah, well, it would be better to listen before you had to go through that. Right, <laughs> yeah. right. I, from a personal level, yeah. but I mean, for other people as well, you know, there's loved ones that we'd like to see, you know, who have heard the word and aren't listening. And you just pray that God does whatever it takes to open their hearts to Jesus again so yeah so I, I have a friend who he went to prison and it was because of uh, poor choices that he made and he has he has to live with those things now but while he was in prison he really came to Christ and found a better reason to to, to live than you know the the normal stuff that he was going through and uh, it's it's difficult now for him after that you know he's, he's since been released and you know, he's got a lot of restrictions, but just seeing the change that he's come to in his life and how it brought him closer to God, I'm not sure that he would say that he would ever, you know, want to undo that, that thing uh, from happening to him because it has brought him closer and it's made him who he is today, a better person. You know, there's another thing that's kind of interesting about what happened here and that the, the, the prophecy said that this is going to go on for seven years and then, and then you know, your sanity is going to return for you. Well, seven years is a fairly long time for a monarchy to be left open. A question that always comes to my mind in, when I read this is like, well, who, who was running the show for those seven years? Was it a co-regency type of thing? Because I, I don't think so. Chapters I, I, kind of explain it. I, I kind of think that Daniel and his three friends might have had to pick up the slack and somehow actually protect this this insane person because you can imagine there were there there's got to be people that are ready. You know, this is a perfect chance to get rid of this guy, right? For good. Yeah. But but it doesn't happen. And when the seven years is over, Nebuchadnezzar is restored to to his. So somebody's taking care of things for seven years. Right. It's like somebody who has a relative who has dementia and they start losing their memory and acting very sporadically and you have to take care of that person. But then they all of a sudden kind of snap back from it. Well, so you would have to have the belief that that's going to happen in this, in this case, right? You would have to believe that what God said in the prophecy is true and that you're just waiting for that time to elapse and Nebuchadnezzar will be restored. So it's just, it's, it's just to me, it's always been a curiosity. So how does it all end? Yeah. Verse 34 on onward. It says, and at the end of the time, I Nebuchadnezzar lifted my eyes to heaven and my understanding returned to me. And I blessed the most high and praised and honored him who lives forever for his dominion is an everlasting dominion. And his kingdom is from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. He does according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. No one can restrain his hand or say to him, what have you done? At the same time, my reason returned to me and for the glory of my kingdom, my honor and splendor returned to me. My counselors and nobles restored to me and I restored to my kingdom. An excellent majesty was added to me. 
Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the King of heaven, all of whose works are true and his ways justice, and those who walk in pride he is able to put down. I think, I think that you know, the, the, last, the very last sentence there that you read, um, that those who walk in pride he is able to put down, is a confession that Nebuchadnezzar has come to understand what his, his core problem was. And I think it's, of course, the core problem of, with humanity um, is this the, the issue of, of pride in our, in our lives, which is, you know, essentially comes from that, that selfish nature that, that, we, uh, that we inherit as sinners. And before you can experience the good news, you have to realize what the bad news is, and the bad news usually is something about us. Yeah. So he, he hit rock bottom, and he understood eventually what, how he had treated people, how he had acted, and the, the ways that he was leading people away from God. And through that process, being able to see that, okay, this is really my purpose, you know, because that, that whole aspect of surrender, you know, God wanted to save him all along. It's not that God kind of changed his decision about it before and that, oh, let's get rid of this guy. But no, he, he wanted to save Nebuchadnezzar just like he wants to save all people. It's just that in order to, to do that, Nebuchadnezzar had to get out of the way himself. I, when, I, when I read this, I, it reminded me of uh, something that David wrote. And I don't, I don't know if you know, the Psalms were available to uh, Nebuchadnezzar, but they were people who, you know, obviously they were uh, very uh, bright with regards to the literature of other nations. We've studied that. And, and David says this in Psalms 121, and I like to think that maybe he knew this. What psalm is that? Psalms 121. It says, I will lift up my eyes to the hills. So this is, you know, when he says, I lifted up my eyes to heaven and, and listen to what it says, from whence comes my help. My help comes from the Lord who made the heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night, and the Lord shall preserve you from all evil. He shall preserve your soul. The Lord shall preserve your going out and your coming in, and from this time forth and even forevermore. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if he didn't know that text, you know, that, that verse, because of who he was or had some familiarity to it. Maybe even Daniel, you know, shared him the, the word according to David and Solomon, who were great kings. And here he is now, he's, he's, he's turning his head, his face to the Lord, toward the heavens, and that's when all good things begin to happen. And it also speaks to the, the, uh, uh, the uh, as we, as we kind of look back now on this, the experience of Nebuchadnezzar and from, from the bringing of these boys into, into his kingdom to, to this, this seminal event in his life, how God works through these threads uh, to, to bring about the conversion of, of a heathen king. It was his purpose all along uh, to do that. And it's his purpose in the lives of, of, of every human being. Um, the Bible says he doesn't want anybody to, to be lost, right? That all would be saved. So, so it's, it, God is always working through these things to bring, to bring about an understanding of himself. Because when people truly see God for who he is, he becomes irresistibly attractive. 
All right. Well, thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time here on the Adventist City Ministries podcast. I'm Andrew. I'm Jeff. And I'm Bob. All right. God bless.